Welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Birchall Hughes, and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents, Fred Shepherd and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes. And today, Fred moves to his new lodgings. Janie's friend Carrie has to send some sad news to her sister Annie in Australia, and we also have a little look at the whole process of Laundry Day in the 1880s. It's evident that Fred and Janie are scrabbling for time to squeeze in their letters to each other. They are both busy in their own respective spheres, which explains the hurried nature of their writing. Our Fred is struggling to pack for his new lodgings around the demands of his job. The wedding planning for Fred Warburton and Polly Rowe is gathering apace, and Janie is treasuring the last days of her friend Carrie's visit. It's fun to see the sarcastic banter between Fred and Ginny Reckless emerging through the letters too. In Fred's last letter, he said, Will you please tell Ginny Reckless from me, love, that I do not feel very pleased that she should occupy your time talking about a trivial matter as a wedding instead of letting you write a letter to me, which is by far a more important and necessary duty. And Ginny manages a retort in this next letter of Janie's. Hansworth, May the 15th, 1882. My own darling husband, I received your very welcome letter this morning. I was so sorry to disappoint you, love. I am not vexed at you. You could have given me no cause, darling. Ginny only came up about half past four and had to go back early, so you must forgive me this once. The reason you can't see the dresses, love, is because they will be at the dressmakers and they will not be finished before Whitsuntide. I don't think our John minds being turned out of his bed at all for you, darling. The next time you come up, you'll be able to sleep together. I will tell Ginny Reckless what you say, love. She said I was to tell you that she is not friends with you, because you would scarcely speak to her when you were here at Easter. I wish I could have gone with you to Redcar on Saturday. It was a very nice day here. It is a fine experience for you, having to get the house ready for your new secretary. I don't doubt that he will be quite satisfied with your arrangements. You will have done your best under the circumstances. It has been rather awkward for you choosing for him, not knowing his taste, and I feel confident he will admire your taste. I think the house is a very cheap one. I wish I could have walked to Saltburn on the sands with you, darling. It would have been enjoyable, and it will be some day, won't it, love? You did thunk deeply to get surrounded by water. I am surprised. I would have smoled a smile if I had seen you. The head clerk, in such an undignified position, without shoes and stockings wading through the water. I am glad it was no worse, love. If you had had to swim through, it would have been rather awkward. I wish I could have been there to pour tea out for you and have a look around the town with you and see the loveliest of places. It would have been a treat, love. It must be a splendid place by your description, love. I quite long to see it. It will be so nice to be such a short distance from the sea. It will be delicious to get a breath of fresh sea air occasionally. The gardens and woods must be lovely to be nicer than Rojabi. Thank you for the bluebells and hawthorn. They did smell so sweet. It would have been an Eden, darling, if we could have been there together. But we shall see them all when we are married, love. I feel quite resigned to Middlesbrough already with your description of Redcar and Saltburn, but I should be anywhere with you, darling. 
You will see me soon now, and I shall have you for a blissful three days, my husband. I wish it was here. I feel as though I could hardly wait until then. I do love you more than ever. Carrie and our John, the children and I, went for a walk yesterday morning in the wood down by Mr Hotham's. Everything looks splendid. The bluebells are all out. We shall have to explore all our old walks when you come, love. I did not get to go out in the afternoon. Mother went for a walk instead in the evening. I went to church. After service, I went with Polly Corbett for a walk as far as Darnell. I did not have time to go to your house. We only just went into Darnell. I was home again at nine o'clock. I did wish you were with me. We could have had such a nice night, the four of us. Our John, Carrie, you and I. I have not had but two afternoons out with Carrie since she has been here. Miss Mottershed wanted us to go this afternoon, so we are going. I shall write again tomorrow, love, so excuse me. It is nearly dinner time, and they are wanting me in the kitchen. Carrie is going back to Harrogate tomorrow. I shall be sorry to lose her. Carrie's aunt has sent word that they are very busy. They will think I am quite a stranger at your house, but I really have not had the time to go down this last week. It will have to be Friday if I get there this week. We haven't a pen fit to write with. It is striking twelve. I dare not stay another minute. I remain my darling husband, your loving true and faithful wife, Janie. To help make sense of Janie's next letter, I should probably remind you that Carrie's family, the Higgs, had all emigrated to Australia in a bid to escape the recession. They'd sailed from Southampton in the November of 1881, and after some consternation in the Suez Canal, where at least two family members ran off, temporarily or permanently, the details of which are impossible to fathom at this distance, the family evidently arrived in Australia around March 1882, including Carrie's younger sister Annie, who would be 17 by this point, and has so far not enjoyed the best of health since leaving Sheffield. Hansworth, May the 16th, 1882. My own darling husband, I have scarcely a minute to spare to write today. It is the washing day, and we are so busy. But I don't like to disappoint you, love, if I can help it. Carrie has gone back to Harrogate today, in pretty good spirits. She looks very well and bears up well. She gets rather sad sometimes, but we have tried to cheer her while she has been here. She would have liked to have stopped longer, but could not because of them being so busy. The last time Carrie heard from Annie, she was rather better but she will have sad news to tell her next time she writes. The young gentleman that Annie kept company with at Sheffield has died since she went away. Carrie sent her word in the last letter that he was ill, but she will not get it until Whitson died, and now he is dead and buried. It will be a shock for her, poor girl. Miss Mottershed told me they loved each other deeply. Annie used to tell Miss Mottershed more about themselves than she told Carrie. We went there yesterday afternoon. It was a very fine day, but cold. We came back by the 7.20 train. We had to get home early because of having a cricket club meeting, and there was only Mother and Kate left at home. I have mended your gloves, darling. Shall you want them before Whitsuntide? If you do, I will send them by post. 
Polly and I are going tomorrow. Mrs. Rowe can't go with us to buy the dresses by ourselves. After we have done our shopping, we'll go up to have tea with our Polly. Oh, my darling, I shall be glad when the time comes so that I can meet you and have you with me for a happy three days. I wish they would not go quite so quickly. I am so loath to part with you. I love you more than ever. I must be braver this time and not cry, love, or you'll think that I am not a very lively companion. I'm writing this upstairs, and they are expecting that I am getting dressed, so, darling, excuse more this time. I remain, as always, my husband, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. I'm amazed that Janie got a letter written at all, given that it was a washing day. A challenging day at the best of times, but even more so for the occupants of a public house. The 16th of May, 1882, was a Tuesday, which seems to have been the usual day for washing at the Cross Keys, unlike a Monday for most people. This must have been to factor in that the pub would have been open on the Sunday for customers. The job of rising extremely early to light the fire under the washing copper to boil water would most likely have fallen to their servant Kate, but the labour of laundry would have fallen to every available, able-bodied woman in the household. I have only had to hand-wash large items on a very few occasions, and how women did this, and still do in a greater part of the world, each week appalls me. So much back-breaking work for so little productivity. As a Western woman in the 21st century, I am repeatedly grateful for the invention of the washing machine, and it has to rank alongside birth control as one of the critical factors in enabling women to have more control over their own lives. Janie lived and died before the invention of the electric washing machine. She would have dragged heavy, sodden sheets from the copper through mangles to wring them out. She would have scrubbed collars and other grimy items on washboards with bars of carbolic soap. It would have been hot, steamy, physical work. Janie would have had to do a whole number of things we don't even think about too, like grating soap into a washing powder before mixing it into a paste, adding in Ricketts blue to make the whites look whiter, disposing of the dirty water bucketful by bucketful, and then, at some point, getting a meal ready for everybody that would have more than likely been bubble and squeak with cold meat from the previous day's roast dinner. If you are not in the UK, bubble and squeak is a sort of fried hash made up from leftover roast potatoes and any other cooked vegetables, usually cabbage. It's tastier than it sounds, I promise. Actually, when I think about Fred moaning that Mrs Gordon served him and his fellow lodgers cold meat three days on the trot, I wonder if part of the reason was the amount of washing poor Mrs Gordon had to do, and having set aside the fires for heating washing water meant that being able to provide a hot meal as well for all her lodgers was just becoming beyond her. Janie has already promised Fred that he will not be subjected to quite so many cold dinners, but I do wonder how much her aspirations will survive the practicalities of running a household with limited resources. In Fred's next we get to hear how he is also struggling under the cosh. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough. The North Eastern Steel Company Limited. May the 18th, 1882. My own darling Janie, I received your letters of the 15th and the 16th. I should have replied earlier, we have been so busy that I have not had the time. 
I think that this week beats all previous weeks in the way of working that I have known. On Monday night, it was 10 o'clock, Tuesday, half past nine, and last night, 11 o'clock. We have had a board meeting today, and I had to get out the usual financial statements after six o'clock last night, and as they had to be done, it caused me to be very late. I had to prepare a statement showing how the company would stand for money at the end of August next, which is a rather difficult matter, as I have scarcely any figures to work upon, having been on such a short time. I think I have managed pretty well so far, as two months ago I estimated what we should have at the end of June, and as far as I can see, we should only be about £200 difference, which is not much in 27000 That was rather a good guess, wasn't it? I am getting about sick of this late work. It is rather too much, but I cannot get out of it yet. Of course, it was nearly 11.30 when I got home to tea last night. When I had had tea, I had to start packing up for a removal. And the consequence was it was half past one before I got to bed. And I had to be there at the exchange by half past eight this morning, which I think is a rather good time. I feel sure, if it were not that it is for you, I should not stand much more of this. However, it cannot be helped, so I must make the best of it. How shall you manage for your John and I to sleep together for this time? Will not your Fred be there as well? Of course, I am extremely sorry that Ginny Reckless declines being friends with me, but, my darling, I shall survive it. Did I see the young man that Annie Higgs kept company with in Sheffield? It is a sad thing about him dying. I hope it is not of a broken heart. I suppose they would love each other in the proverbial boy and girl style, endless fidelity, etc. Where do they hold the cricket club meetings? In the club room. I am much obliged to you for mending my gloves, love. I think I shall not want them this next week, so that will not be necessary to send them by post. I should be going down to Redcar again on Saturday. I wish I could take you, love. It would be very enjoyable. I hope you have quite recovered of your cold. How are your father and mother for health? I understand you will be going to our house tomorrow. Will you let me know how they all are, particularly my mother, as I shall not write until next week? Only nine days, my darling, and then I shall have the felicity of seeing you. Until then, I remain your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. If I have not time to write tomorrow, please address your Sunday's letter, care of Mr Smith, Albert Terrace, Linthorpe Road, Middlesbrough. Hansworth, May the 18th, 1882. My own darling husband, I am anxiously waiting for tomorrow so that I may have a letter. It does seem a long time, from Monday to Friday, to be without one. Oh, darling, I shall be pleased to see you. Just nine days now to Saturday week. I wish it only wanted nine minutes. I do long for the time to come. We will have a glorious time. Everything looks at its best now. It is splendid in the woods. We shall have to have our favourite walk through the wood past the crab apple tree. Do you remember it, love? That day I was at Annie Mottersheds. We went to the Midland station to see her sister off to Matlock. I saw the train in from Middlesbrough that you usually come by. I did wish you had come by it then, darling. When it gets nearer the time for seeing you, love, I do get so restless. 
I feel as though I could not wait until then it passes over. I long for you so much. I do love you more than ever my own husband. I want to go down to see your mother tonight, if possible. We have been very busy all day, but Thursday night is not often very busy. I am afraid they will think I have forsaken them, and I do not want them to think so. I wish you were there to bring me back, love. We got the dresses yesterday. I am sure you will like mine. It is very pretty, I think. Our Polly met us in the town and bought one for herself. We went up there to tea. We came back by the 7.20 train to Darnall, and Polly came to our house and then stopped until ten o'clock. She has been very amiable since Carrie and I went down to tea. We are very friendly at present. Johnny Mortar called today. He missed the train at Kiverton Park, so I had to walk. We are having splendid weather now, quite hot. I have been busy ironing today. I had to put part of it off yesterday. I have been straightening out my light dresses. I shall have to wear my cream-coloured one at Whitsuntide, love, as I know it is a favourite, and I am trimming my last summer's hat for your especial benefit. I like to make a little preparation for you, my lover. It will be glorious to be together again. I do want you, darling. It will be harder to be parted this summer. I think we shall feel it more than we did through the winter, because we used to have such delightful walks but we shall have to try and make the best of it, as I know, darling, it will bring us the sooner together for ever. There will be not one wedding at our church this Whitsuntide. There has been generally a good many on Whit Monday. Our Fred and Polly's bands will be called the first time on Whit Sunday. I am sorry I can't give you more today, but there is not many minutes to pass time. I remain always your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Royal Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, May the 19th, 1882. My own darling wife, I received your nice loving letter this morning. You will no doubt have received mine this morning. It is a long time, darling, from Monday to Friday, but as you will now understand, I could scarcely have helped it. I hope you will forgive me for my seeming negligence, love. It only wants eight days, wifey, from tonight to our meeting, and I know you will be pleased to see me, and we shall have a glorious time of it, if people will only leave us to ourselves. We must not miss our old walk through the wood. Do I remember the crabapple tree, love? Can I ever forget anything? Our first meeting by the stile in the nursery, our first friendship, our parting for a year, and the memorable walk afterwards. My confession of love and yours, darling, with all the revelations of your person and mine. How I asked you to be my little wife. I can never forget these things, love. They are indelibly stamped on my memory, which you will no doubt think a very good one, but by the side of Mr Cooper's is very poor. Is your memory improving at all, love? It was not very good, was it, at one time? I wish I could have come in by that usual train, but it was not to be... You will no doubt have the pleasure of meeting the same train a week tomorrow. I hope you will have been to our house by this time, love, for they are very sensitive, especially my mother, and if there is any chance of taking anything like the wrong way, they invariably do this. Only the other day I received such a reproachful letter from my mother about not writing oftener. She hinted that if she lived at your house she would have plenty of letters. Perhaps so. Did John Mortimer say anything about the Whit Monday trip? I am pleased you are making preparations for your lover, my darling. He will appreciate them. 
Perhaps the best preparation, if I may say such a thing, would be to be without stays, love. Shall we go to church to hear your Fred called over, love? Did the usual come off this week, love? And if so, when? I remain, my darling wife, your loving true and faithful husband, Fred. Hansworth, May the 19th, 1882, Friday night, 10pm. My own darling Fred, I was pleased to receive your letter this morning, but sorry to hear you are so hard work. I hope you will not get thoroughly knocked up, love. It is tiring for you working so late. You often do when the board meetings occur. I do not want you to work yourself to death, even for me, darling. You worked the last statement very well to get the amount with so little difference. It was a good guess, love. I feel quite proud of you. I don't doubt that this will give satisfaction. It is a difficult matter for you to get the amount of money when you have scarcely any figures to work upon. I wish I could have packed your things for you. You would have been so tired after your hard day's work and having to get up early the next morning. We must not have so much running about this time. We will have a nice quiet time so that you will have a little rest and then go back to work quite refreshed. The usual monthly came off this afternoon. I had to go to bed for an hour or two. I was very sick. I got up to tea and feel quite all right now, darling. We have been very busy again tonight. We have had two meetings, a flower show and club meeting, besides all the other company. So I was unable to get down to see your mother. I shall have to leave it now until Sunday afternoon. We have a cricket match tomorrow at Handsworth between the Dale Memorial Church Choir and Handsworth. I'm afraid Handsworth are safe to lose, as they have not had very much practice. The cricket meetings are held in the little room downstairs. Saturday, 5.30. My darling, I am pleased you had time to give me a little more for this morning. I should have been disappointed if I had not my usual Saturday's epistle, but I should have forgiven you, love, if you hadn't, because I know you would send me one if possible. I did not think you were neglecting me, my darling. I feel sure you were busy. I know it was an unavoidable delay. We love each other truly, don't we, darling? We could not neglect each other very well. My love for you is stronger than ever, my husband. And you don't love me a bit less, do you, darling? Only seven days to our meeting. I wish I could push the days on a bit. I feel all impatience to see you again. It will be a treat to be at the side of you again, my love. The first four weeks seem to go pretty quick but the last fortnight has been a month. You will have got to your new lodgings by now. I hope you will be comfortable, darling, and not have to change any more until I am your little wife and housekeeper, and then you will have to settle down with me. Don't you feel afraid to take me on trial for life, darling? I think I hear you say no, not a bit. I will do my best to make you happy, and I hope to succeed. Oh, love, I do wish you were here to take for one of our old Saturday night's walks. It is such nice weather, but it has been very dusty today. I knew you would have not forgotten the old crabapple tree and the other incidents in our history. You have a good memory. Mr Cooper's must be an excellent one if it is better. I think mine has improved a little, but I am rather absent-minded at times. I lay the dinner mats for tea occasionally. I am so sorry I have been prevented from going to your house, as I do not want them to think I am neglecting them. Johnny Mortar did not say anything about the Roche excursion. I was only in the bar a minute or two. I got him a bottle of porter and came out directly. I was busy ironing, so did not see him again. 
we will see about going to church to hear our Fred called over when you come. We have just heard that Hansworth have won. We are expecting them in a minute, so cannot write more now, love. I remain your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. The irony of Janie mentioning her memory improving here will be thrown into sharp relief in the next podcast when she suddenly realises that she's completely forgotten Fred's birthday. I have to say, this is yet another moment of familial recognition. I guess that those of my friends and family who listen to this podcast will be somewhat amused. So, I guess next week we will find out how Fred handles his fiancée missing his birthday. Thank you so much for listening to my love letter time machine. I'd very much like to share Fred and Janie's story with more people, So, if you haven't already, can I ask you to share this podcast with someone you think might enjoy it? You can also find excerpts of Fred and Janie's letters on Instagram at myloveletertimemachine, all one word. And you can write to me at myloveletertimemachine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.